Happy New Year, New Life. Welcome to 2018. Hope that your new year is off to just a fantastic uh, start so far. Uh, before we get rolling with our message this morning, I want to just uh, kind of remind you of a couple of things that we have coming up. First of all, uh, if you're new here, if you're a guest here, maybe today is your first day. Uh, perhaps you've been coming for just a few weeks. Our Journey 101 luncheon is actually this afternoon at 12.15. And so I just want to invite you to that. If you're new here, if you haven't been to a Journey 101 luncheon, it's just about a 45-minute kind of segment where uh, we really get to share with you who we are as a church and where we feel like God is, is, is taking us together on this journey as a, as a faith family, as a gospel community. And so we'll have uh, firehouse subs for you. We'll have child care for you. So again, if you haven't been to one of those, we we'll encourage you to come back at 1215, go right upstairs, and uh, I think you'll enjoy your time with us this afternoon. The second thing is uh, we have a Journey 201 coming up at the end of this month. That's our membership class. We only have these about four times a year. And so uh, for uh, the many of you who are new here, you're, you've been here for a year, you've been here maybe two years or less, um, and you know that this is your, your faith family. You just sense that this is where God has called you to plant your roots and grow spiritually. We're excited about that. Some of you have been here for longer than a couple of years. It's time to put a ring on it, you know? It's time, it's, it's time to commit, right? You've been here. You're here every week. You're involved. It's just it's time to take that next step in your uh, commitment to, to your faith family. So Journey 201, that's coming up at the end of the month, January 27th. That's a Saturday morning from 9 to noon. And so would encourage you to go ahead and sign up for that. You do have to sign up ahead of time because we send you stuff ahead of time. So you can sign up on our website. You can also go to the Next Steps booth on your way out this morning and sign up there. And then I'm going to invite Rich Miller up. Uh, you guys know Rich, or at least some of you do. He's one of our elders here. And uh, he's going to tell you a little bit about another opportunity that we have coming up starting in a couple weeks. Well, it's my honor and privilege to invite you to the Freedom in Christ Discipleship course uh, I'm very excited about this 10-week study that starts on Monday evening, uh, January 22nd, so that's two weeks from tomorrow. We'll be upstairs in the youth room, and we'll go from 6.30 to 8.30. You know, as we make New Year's resolutions, a lot of them have to do with our physical body, you know, wanting to lose weight or exercise more. But the Scripture says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Uh, godliness has profit for this world and the one to come. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I'll be back at the Next Steps counter after this service and can tell you more about the course. Uh, but it is so exciting because it will help focus on our life, our freedom, and our purpose. We have a new life in Christ. We're united with him and him with us. What does that mean? We'll investigate that. And freedom. You know, sometimes we feel like we're sort of stagnant or... Uh, you know, running on fumes or uh, just not moving in our Christian life. How can we get unstuck and live in freedom? And then with a purpose that will blow our minds of what Christ has for us. I'd like to invite you to come and investigate that in this 10-week series called the Freedom in Christ Discipleship Course. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it, man. Now, uh, today is it's a special day uh, for, for me and for my, my family more, more than just the fact that it's a new year. This Sunday actually marks our one-year anniversary at New Life. 
It's, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe it's actually, it's been a year. Actually, January 1 of last year was our, our first Sunday here as your, as your pastor. And, uh, and so I want to just selfishly take a minute of your time this morning to say uh, from, uh, from a personal place in, in our hearts, uh, thank you. Thank you to all of you. You guys have uh, just welcomed us. You have embraced us. You have loved us. You've loved our family well. Frankly, at a time where it would have been really easy for you guys just to kind of keep us at, at arm's length. Like, hey, we're just going to kind of scope this guy out and see what he's, what he's all about. But you guys didn't do that. You guys embraced us. You brought us into your family. You've loved us well from day one. And I just want to say, for us, the last year has been one of the most exciting fulfilling, exhilarating times in, in our entire life. And so thank you so much for loving us the way that you have, for accepting us into your family. We love being a part of New Life Church. We're excited about the days ahead. Uh, 2017 was a good year for us. We, we saw God do some really cool things uh, through our body here. We saw uh, uh, some, some attendance records broken. We've seen a lot of new community groups start. We're now starting to see our community groups reproduce, so multiply out new groups, uh, which is incredibly exciting. We're seeing some new mission partnerships begin to form. We're engaging our neighborhoods and our cities through the, the Neighbor Challenge and Serve Asheville in new and exciting ways. And so 2017 was an incredible year. But listen, I really believe this, and I want you to know this. I really believe that for New Life, the best is yet to come. I really am excited about 2018. I hope that you're super excited about 18, 2018. And, uh, and we're going to kick off our new year by starting a brand new message series entitled All In. Because I believe that, uh, I believe that, the, that kind of a wholehearted commitment to God is what he really wants from us in 2018. Now, uh, commitment is, is it's, it's almost a dirty word in our culture, isn't it? I mean, people, people are absolutely uh, terrified of commitment. It's, it's almost like a, a phobia. And, and I think that so many of us are terrified of commitment because we have this impression in our mind that when we commit to something, we're, we're actually giving up control. We're, we're giving up freedom. And so we have this kind of misperception about commitment. But here, here's the thing. In God's economy, commitment is actually the pathway to, to the life and the adventure that God has created for you. You see, commitment can be a beautiful thing. Now, now granted, it, it can be a scary thing. It can be an intimidating thing at times, but beautiful nonetheless. And so I, I want to set the tone for uh, this series and our time together by saying something together. So it's, it's on the screen right now. And I, so I'm going to count to three, and we're going to set the tone for this month by saying this together, okay? Are you guys ready? I know it's kind of early. I know it's kind of cold. But when I say one, two, three, we're going to say this together, all right? You can do it, I'm sure. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Commitment is the pathway to the life God designed for me. Commitment, guys, is not a dirty word. In God's economy, it's actually a good thing. It's the pathway to the life that God has designed for us. Now, I have uh, confession time. I, I've never played poker in my life. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know the rules. 
Um, and I know some of you have, you know, you play poker with your buddies and, and all that kind of thing. But I was, I was at the gym um, just a few days ago with about half of Asheville. It always cracks me up in January. You know, you, you go in and you can't, you can't find a place to work out. By February 1st, it's a ghost town. But uh, so I was at the gym with half of Asheville um, just a few days ago. And, and on one of the sports channels uh, was poker. Now, I'm still trying to figure out how poker is a sport. Uh, but, but there it was on, on one of the sports channels, and, and, and the guys are sitting around this table, right? And they've got, you've probably seen it, they've got sunglasses on, and uh, they're, they're playing with just obscene amounts of money. Like, I think I would be crying if I was playing with one one-thousandth of the, what they were playing with. But they, they kind of sit around, and they're playing, and every once in a while, if you watch them, a guy will feel really good about what he's got in the game, and what will he do when he feels really good? He'll go all in. So he'll take all of his chips that represents his life in the game, and he'll push all of his chips right into the middle of the table. And that's what they call going all in in poker. Now, at that point in the game, you, he's in, right? There's no, there's no going back. You're either going to win everything or you're going to lose everything. At that point, there's no more riding the fence. There's no more hedging your bets. At that point in the game, it's all or nothing, And I think as we stand, as a church, as we stand on the precipice of a brand new year of 2018, I believe that that is what God is asking us to do with our lives, to to sell out, to go all in with him. And so the question that I want you to kind of be thinking through as we talk for the next 30 minutes together this morning is this, have you gone all in with God? Have you gone all in? Have you pushed all your chips to the center of the table where there's no more going back at all? It's, it's, it's win or, or go home. Have you, have you done that with your life? Or are you, are you kind of hedging your bets just a little bit? Are you, are you holding out a little bit? Or is there kind of like a section of your life that you're kind of keeping to yourself? You haven't really fully given to God yet. And we're going to look at two contrasting stories in Matthew's gospel this morning where Jesus invited people to live all in lives with him with completely different endings. And so if you have a Bible this morning, either a hard copy or on a device, would encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, that's where we're going to start and that's where we'll be camped out for most of our time this morning. And this particular passage has always, to me, been one of the most fascinating stories in all of the Gospels. We're going to start in verse 16. And let me set the stage for you right here. Jesus is he's teaching publicly, okay? And so he's, he's going around, he's teaching. His disciples are with him as they normally were. And as Jesus is teaching and his disciples are kind of observing him and listening to him, a wealthy powerful man approaches Jesus to ask him an important question that had clearly been weighing very heavily on his, on his mind and on his heart. And so let's pick up there in the story in verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him, that is Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And so scholar, this guy is known by scholars as the rich young ruler, which means this young guy had everything. He had, he had power, he had money, he had youth, he had influence. Everything that, that most people crave in life, 
this guy had at a very young age, and still he knows that there's something missing in his life. Isn't that interesting? That he has everything that this world tells us should make us happy and satisfied, and yet he is unsatisfied. And so he walks up to Jesus, and he asks a question that I think we all grapple with at some point in our lives. And he said, Jesus, what, what, what do I have to do to get eternal life? What, what good deeds must I do to get in? So let's pick up with Jesus' response in verse 17. And he, Jesus, said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Well, which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness or, or lie. Honor your father and your mother. And she love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All of these I have kept. What do I still lack? And so I want, here's what I want you to see here. This, this rich young ruler, is, he's looking for a checklist, isn't he? he, he what he wants to hear from Jesus is, Okay, if you want to inherit internal, eternal life, this is what I want from you, guy. I want, I want you to go and feed the homeless once a week. I want you to go to church on Sundays. I want you to, to volunteer and be, a, be an usher you know, every other week at church. I want, I want you to stop kicking your dog whenever the Carolina Panthers lose. right? So he, he, that's what he's looking for is just this checklist theology. And I think that's because this rich young ruler had the same misconception that so many people in our culture have today. And that's this idea that, look, if I just, if I just do more good things in my life, then I do bad things in my life. On that day when I stand before the judgment seat of God and I give an account for how I live my life, for how I invested my time, my treasure, and my talents, on that day, as long as I fed the homeless one more time than I kicked my dog when I got angry, then God's got to let me in, right? He, he's got to let me in. And so he has this misconception that that's how he's going to get into Heaven, he's looking for a checklist. And so Jesus kind of plays along with the guy at first. And so he begins to rattle off some of the Ten Commandments. And as Jesus is, is speaking these Ten Commandments, you can almost picture this, this young guy starting to feel pretty good about himself, right? Because his response is, look, I've done, I've kept all of those commandments. It's like, man, Jesus, I've, I've done all of that, man. What else you got for me? And then I can imagine... Jesus gently and lovingly just kind of dropping the bomb on him, right? Dropping, dropping the truth bomb on him. And Jesus says some scary stuff that even shocked his disciples. And now his disciples were used to Jesus saying some pretty radical things. But even what Jesus said here even, even shocked them. Let's pick up in verse 21 and hear what Jesus has to say to this guy. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess. And so the way that that is worded, it, Jesus is say, saying everything. Go sell everything that you possess. Give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus says to this guy, look, I want you, I want you to sell everything I want you to give it to the poor, and then listen, I want you to come, and I want you to be with me. I want you to follow me. And so Jesus essentially says to this guy, look, look, guy, I want you to go all in with me. I don't want your checklist. 
I don't want your religion. I want you. I want all of you. So, see, this was a, an invitation from Jesus to this rich young ruler to go all in with Christ in his life. Now, I, I just have to admit to you that if I were, if I were there, and if I were one of Jesus' disciples in this moment, I think what I would have been thinking, I wouldn't have said it, obviously, but I think what I would have been thinking is, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you realize that this guy is rich? This guy has influence. This guy has power that could help us expand our message. He could actually even fund our mission. Jesus, what are, what are you doing? What, why didn't you just ask him for 10%? Right? Why didn't you start, why didn't you start with a tithe? Or if you wanted to get really radical, ask him for 20%. Double the tithe. You asked for everything. Jesus, you just blew a golden opportunity for us to expand our ministry and expand the church. What are you doing? So the question is, why did Jesus do this? Wasn't this extreme? Wasn't this a, a radical ask? Yes, it was all of those things, but I don't think Jesus was being a mean ogre here. See, Jesus understood that this guy was a slave to his stuff and that he would never truly be free to live the life that God created for him as long as his heart was shackled to another God. And because his stuff was more valuable to him than Jesus was, Matthew tells us that the guy turned away from Jesus and he walked away. He walked away and we have no indication that he ever came back at any point in his life. And so here's, here's Jesus' answer to the original question. Do you remember the original question, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus' answer was follow me. Follow me, go all in with me. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm worth it. Now, now what just happened here in this exchange? You see, Jesus was after this guy's heart. Jesus is always after our hearts. So he's always going to challenge us to abandon whatever our hearts worship apart from him. For this guy, it was his money. That's where he found his identity. That's where he found his self-worth. For you, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's something completely different. But the challenge from Jesus this morning is the same. Will you go all in with me in 2018? Whatever it takes, am I your highest treasure? Will you, will you make me your highest treasure? And here's the first point, and I don't want us to miss this. When Jesus invites us to go all in with him, I want you to understand this. This is hard teaching, but this is from Jesus. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. It's, it's all or nothing. You see, Jesus was never interested in half-hearted commitment. He never asked for that. You know, you can read all of the New Testament, and not once did Jesus say, hey, I just, I just give me a little bit of your life. You can keep 90% to yourself. I just want 10% of your time. I just want an hour on Sunday morning. Just give me, just give me a couple of bucks a month. You know, Jesus always, always, always invited people to go all in with him. 
He's not interested in half-heartedness. He's not interested in how good of a rule follower you are. He wants 100% of your heart because he knows it's in that place that you become fully alive. That's the only place that we become fully alive. And we begin to live the life that God created for us to live. When we are in relationship with our Creator, we begin to experience a a, a freedom to live. No longer enslaved to, to stuff or enslaved to reputation or enslaved to what other people think about us. And that's the life. Listen, that is the life that Jesus wants for you. Freedom, joy, peace, purpose, advancing the kingdom of light. Why, why would we choose anything else? And I don't know what has your heart this morning, but I think Jesus is asking you the same question, and he's giving you the same invitation that he gave this guy nearly 2,000 years ago. Are you willing to lay it all on the line? Are you willing to really go all in with me? And how you answer that question, friend, and I want you to hear this, how you answer that question will determine everything else in your life. It's that important. It's that big. It's that crucial. And you might, you might think that Jesus' disciples, as they're, they're watching Jesus interact with this rich, young ruler, you might, you might kind of assume that they would have been in awe of the depth of what they just witnessed. But as was so often the case, the disciples miss it entirely. The disciples, in fact, they are so disturbed by this conversation that they overhear that just a few verses later, they're asking Jesus, well, Jesus, who can even be saved? If, you're, if what you're teaching is true, who can, who can even be saved? Jesus, this is really hard stuff. These are really hard teachings. And then Peter says, well, let's, let's read what, what Peter says in verse 27. It says, then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. Left everything. What then will we have? And I can imagine Peter uh, may have been thinking, well, Jesus, this, this, this cat gets to keep all of his stuff. And yet here we are with you. We've given up everything to follow you. We're broke, we're traveling around with you, sleeping anywhere that we can find that's, that's warm and dry. Jesus, what are we going to get out of this deal? What, what are we going to get out of going all in with you, Jesus? And I think, this is what I think is happening. I think, listen, Peter, for better or for worse, you never had to wonder what he was thinking, right? He, he was a master of having to remove his foot from his mouth. But I think what's going on here is I think Peter was having a bit of a pity party for himself. Peter, Peter was feeling sorry for himself as he watched this rich young ruler walk away and get to keep all of his possessions. And he's asking Jesus, what's in it for us? How, how come he gets to keep all his stuff? We've given up everything. What's in it for us? And Jesus' answer is beautiful in its simplicity and it's stunning. In verse 28, listen to this. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world... When the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. So we're talking about his second coming, the second advent. We talked about that a lot last month. You who have followed me, you who have followed me, you who have gone all in with me, will also sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters 
or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. In other words, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, what, what, what do you get by going all in with me? What, what do you get by laying it all on the line for me? Peter, listen to me. You get everything. You get everything that matters. Everything that you sacrifice, your time, your comfort, your possessions, your money, you will receive a hundredfold and you will get eternal life with me in my kingdom forever. Peter, you get everything that matters in the end. And see, that's the, that's the second truth that I think that we absolutely have to cling to from this story. Yes, following Jesus is all or nothing. Yes, following Jesus, when you follow Jesus, there's no middle ground. But in doing that, listen, following Jesus means we get everything that matters. We get everything that matters. When we go all in with Jesus, we give up everything that doesn't matter. And in exchange, we get everything that actually does matter. And so Matthew gives us this picture of a man who walked away from Jesus' invite to live an all-in life with him. But Matthew gives us another story. He gives us a different story where Jesus makes the same offer, but the response is completely different. So we're going to go over to Matthew chapter 4 really quickly. You don't have to turn there. This will be on the screens. You can read along with me. So Jesus, while walking by the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, we just heard from Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, that is Jesus, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now notice the invite from Jesus is essentially the same here. He sees these guys working and he walks up to them and he says, look, come, come and, and be with me. Come and, come and follow me. Come all in with me. Leave, leave your stuff. Now understand, these guys were commercial fishermen, right? They, they weren't out there, you know, just ha having fun on the river trying to catch some, some trout on Saturday morning. This, this was their craft. This was their livelihood. This is how they supported their families. This was likely their hometown. This is where all of their friends lived. This is where their homes were. And Jesus was saying to them, leave all of that Leave everything you know. Leave your comfort. Leave your source of income. Leave all of that, and I want you to come and be with me. See, we read passages like that, and we don't think, oftentimes we don't think of the depth of it. We think, oh, that's cute. Jesus said, come and follow me. So the disciples came, and they were probably having like a Bible study for an hour on Saturday morning. That wasn't the invite from Jesus. He was saying, leave everything you know. Come and be with me. Go all in with me. Now look at their response in verse 20. Matthew says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So unlike the rich young ruler, they weren't looking for a checklist. They weren't looking for the minimum they could get by with and still be okay with God. Matthew says, they immediately, that means no hesitation, no fence riding, no, uh, but this is, but this is going to cost me too much. No, immediately they laid down their nets and they followed Jesus. And that, listen to me, church, that is ultimately what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a disciple. And as a church, that's how we are going to define 
what a disciple is. We call it the, the disciple or the discipleship triangle. We've got it up there on the screen for you right now. See, Jesus invited them into a relationship. He said, hey, come, come follow me. Come be with me. Come live life with me. And as you do that, I'm going I'm to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to take who you are now. And as you walk with me over time, I'm going to begin to change who you are. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and it's going to begin to change the way that you think and the way that you act and the way that you live. And then Jesus says, listen, I'm going to send you on mission. He says, look, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so you're going to be living your life in order to make disciples. You're going to help other people find and follow me. So a disciple of Jesus is somebody that follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is living on mission with Jesus. It's really simple. And that's how we're going to define discipleship here at New Life because that's the way that Jesus defined it. And so if you're a note taker, we're going to come back to this again and again. I would encourage you just to sketch that out. Matthew 4.19, it's so simple. It's a little, a little triangle. It passes the napkin test. You can write it down. You can remember it. So if you want to know, am I, am I all in with Jesus? Am I following Jesus? You can look at that. Say, am I following Jesus? Am I being changed by Jesus? Am I living on mission with Jesus? That's essentially what it means to go all in. That's what it means to go all in. That's Jesus' invite. And these disciples went all in with Jesus. It's a completely different response than the rich young ruler, isn't it? And here's what happens when they do that. When they make that decision to go all in with Jesus, these ordinary men, these blue-collar men, these, these fishermen, guys who were not wealthy, guys who were not rulers, guys who had no real power influence in their society, they absolutely, listen to me, they absolutely, once they went all in with Jesus, they changed the world. They changed the world. I love this. There's a passage in Acts 17 that I love, and we went through Acts uh, last year. But in Acts 17, uh, Christianity is, is spreading like a wildfire, right? They just can't contain it. People are so attracted to this, this message that there's a God who loves them so much that he sent his son to pay for their sins so that they can have abundant life now and in eternity. And people are just, people are just coming to Jesus in massive droves. And the authorities were getting scared. The authorities were intimidated by this. And so they begin to persecute these, these believers, these Christians. They begin to drag them in. They begin to put them on trial. They begin to, to beat them. They begin to imprison them. And I love the accusation about the early Christians in Acts 17. Listen to the accusations. These are their words. These Christians are turning the world upside down. That, that was their accusation, and I love it. Listen, church, I want that. I want that to be the accusation about me. I want that to be the accusation about you. I want that to be the accusation of our, of our church body. That people in Asher would say, you know, that, that, that church over there by the, by the river, they, they believe some, some, some really crazy things. They believe that Jesus died and he actually rose again and he's still alive today. But they are absolutely flipping the world upside down. Because they love God and they love people around them and people are being drawn to this message. And I believe that that's what God wants for us in 2018. He wants us to go all in, to hold nothing back. And in doing that, begin to watch as God flips the world upside down around us in absolutely ordinary ways. See, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. 
ordinary people living ordinary lives, living and speaking our faith in the natural rhythms of our lives where we work, live, and play. You know, I have to, have to wonder, um, when the rich young ruler uh, began to age, when the rich young ruler, after many years, became the, the rich old ruler, the same guy that walked away from Jesus so that he could keep all of his toys. And I have to wonder, one day, many years later, maybe many decades later, as that man was laying on his deathbed, thinking back on his life, I just, I, I wonder if he ever looked back at his life, if he ever looked back at that day, if he ever looked back at that invitation from Jesus. I wonder if he regretted, ever regretted walking away from Jesus. Did he, did he ever finally realize that in having everything, that in having everything, that he actually had nothing? You see, he who finishes with the most toys doesn't win. Doesn't win. Because guess what? We're not taking any of that stuff with us. He actually lost. And I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be my regret at the end of my life. And I don't want that to be you. And I don't want that to be us as a church. I'm reminded of this, this famous quote by uh, this missionary, Jim Elliott. And I've, I've said this before. Some of you know this quote. This missionary who uh, left a, a comfortable life in America and he went to reach an unreached people group, a tribe of Indians in the Amazon River Basin. And everybody around him, his family, his professors, everybody told him, don't go. Jim, it's too dangerous. Jim, you can start a church in America and be a, be a mega pastor. Why, why would you do that? But Jim, was, it was too late. Jim was all in. He was all in with Jesus, and this was his response to his critics for going to a dangerous place, for going all in, for laying it on the line. This was his response. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, our, our, our culture kind of sells us on this idea, on this fantasy of living a really long life and kind of trying to, to slide in safely to the end of our lives, having accumulated a whole bunch of stuff. But here's the question I have. What if Jesus didn't die to make us safe people? What if Jesus didn't die to give us a safe, comfortable life? What if Jesus died to make us dangerous people? To make us dangerous people in his kingdom. You see, Jesus never made discipleship easy. He called us to commit to something bigger. Something more dangerous. Something more life-giving. Something more beautiful than the typical life that most people choose to chase. Just like the rich young ruler who walked away from Jesus even though he was very religious. And that's the terrifying thing about the story of the rich young ruler. On the outside, looking in, he had it all together. He would have been the guy that you would have looked at and said, that guy's got it all together. He knows more scripture than anybody. He obeys the laws. 
He's in, the, he's in the temple every Saturday. He gives his tithe. You would have looked at him and said, that is the guy who is walking with God. And yet he is the guy who in actuality walked away from Jesus. Because he loved something else more than he loved Jesus. As we close our time this morning and just move into a couple of minutes of reflection. I just want to invite you uh, to bow your heads with me for a minute or two because I want, to, I want us to kind of process through what Jesus has been teaching us through Matthew 19 this morning. And here's what I know about you, even if we've never met. Even if we haven't met yet, this is what I know to be true about you. In order for you to go all in with Jesus this year, there's probably something that you need to let go of this morning. There's probably something that you need to walk away from this morning. And I don't know, I don't know what that is in your life. For the rich young ruler, it was his money, it was his stuff, it was his toys that had his heart. So the question that I, that I just want you to grapple with for a minute before we, we close is this. What are you giving your life away to right now instead of Jesus? What are you giving your life away to right now instead of Jesus? This is a new year. And so we all have a decision to make as we enter 2018. Are you, or is this going to be the year that you continue to hold out? Is this going to be the year that you continue to, to, to hold back and give God 90% of your life, but you're not going to give him this one thing? Or this one little dark corner of your life, you're like, God, you can have everything else, but don't mess with this. I think God is asking you the same question. He's giving you the same invitation that he gave in Matthew 4 and he gave in Matthew 19. Am I your highest treasure? Will you follow me? Will you finally go all in with me? Not half, not part, not some, all in. And finally begin to live the life that God created you for. To live the life that he's designed you to live, the one that will actually satisfy your soul. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, your word tells us that your mercies are new every single morning. And so God, it doesn't matter what we did in 2017. It doesn't matter what we've done at any point in our past. It doesn't matter how far we've run. You're after our hearts today. And yet, God, my confession, my personal confession, and I think probably our confession collectively as a church body would have to be that that far too often, Father, our devotion to you is half-hearted. That, it's, that, it's, that our love for you is lukewarm. So God, would you forgive us of the sin of, of loving you in a, in a half-hearted way? And God, by the power of your spirit, would you, would you help us take that step to go all in with you in 2018. No more halfway. 
No more part of the time. No more holding back, God. And Father, would you use us the way that you've used your people throughout history to make a real difference, to flip our world upside down in our neighborhoods and in the city and all around the world for your namesake and for your kingdom. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.